Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your promises. Thank you for teaching us and growing us in, in the word, helping us, healing us everywhere we hurt, empowering us by your promises and your love and prospering us in every way. In Jesus' name, amen. I've been talking a lot about the promises of God, the the land of promises in the Old Covenant. Joshua, we use him as an example of type and shadow of how God used Joshua to lead the children of God into the promised land. And that was just type and shadow of what's been revealed in Christ now. And our heavenly Joshua, Jesus, has led us into the land of promises. Amen. And we're learning how to take hold of those promises, how to possess the land that God has given us. Amen. And he used an example. We use examples from the book of Joshua. Uh, in verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3, he said, Every place that in which the sole of your feet tread, uh, that is the land that I have given you. And that is an example for us. The same in the New Covenant. It's just in a spiritual warfare, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal now. There are not carnal uh, instructions, but spiritual instructions to lay hold of the things that God has provided by grace. And they manifest in the natural, but we are to warfare, do our warfare, unlike them who had to go and possess the land by physical means, with God's help, we go and possess it by spiritual means through our priestly ministry of prayer through Christ Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And so, he gave them specific instructions on how it was to be done. Place by place. Promise by promise for us. Stage by stage. Step by step. Area by area. That's how they conquered. And it's the same with us. As we place our feet upon each new promise or new to us in our lives and the areas of need that we have. We find the promises pertaining to our given situations and circumstances. We say, God, did you say this? He said, yes. We say, then amen. So be it unto me. I'm standing on it. I'm believing for it. I'm settling for nothing less in my life and those that I love and that I'm praying for than the promises of God. Because you said all the promises, all 8,000 of them in this book to me in Christ are yes and amen. And so, we're learning how to possess the land that God has given us. The land of promises. Amen. He's given us all things. Has given us. The perfect, past tense. All things pertaining to life and godliness. All things. That means everything. Does that mean all things? Does that mean my, you know, that you can go and believe for your neighbor's husband? No. All things. He's assuming a couple of things, isn't he? That you're in him and that you're agreeing, agreeing with him. Right? If any, anything that God didn't provide by grace through the atonement of Jesus on the cross, then it's not something you can believe for. So we need to know what God has provided for, what he hasn't. We need to know that God is good and that the devil is bad because God has gotten a bad rap. Half the church has taught God's children that that miracles were for the past and and all those in the healings and, and all the wonderful things that God has given us as part of our inheritance were for the past and that uh, the prosperity was for, was for the coming millennium. And right now we're just supposed to get by on the scraps and just hold on until that one day we'll be home up yonder. Walk on streets of gold. Well, that's going to be wonderful, and that's for eternity. And if that's all you get out of your Christian salvation, good for you. Because this life is just for a flicker. But that's not God's best. And that doesn't glorify God. What glorifies God is us laying hold of the promises of God and taking possession of the land in which He has given us. He finally had to deal with Joshua and say, Go tell those people, ask them, How long will they take to go and possess the land that I've given them? They wanted to hang out at Shiloh. Hang out there by the temple. It was easy. Life was good. They didn't have to go fight the, the giants. 
He said, uh-uh. Get after it. Roll up your sleeves and go fight for what I've given you. Same with us. We got to fight. We got to fight because this world is still under the control of Satan and his demons for a time. Our inheritance is in this beautiful salvation that we've entered into. In Hebrews, it opens up, Paul's talking about how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? You know, he told Joshua, he says in, uh, in the 8th verse, I'm trying not to go back there because I'll get stuck there. I'm just going to read it though. In the 8th verse, he said, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So he's giving us instruction. He's giving him instruction and so it is with us that we think the word of God, that we speak the word of God and that we do the word of God. Faith has feet and lips. Amen. The just shall live by faith. So these conditions, when they met these conditions to keep the word before them so you're not bombarded with the lies of the enemy and overcome by them and come into agreement with them because you hurt them so much that the, the lie becomes, sounds like the truth. You see people like that all over the world. I talk to them every, every day. They've come up with their own conclusions and they based it all on lies because they don't live according to the Word of God. They don't know Jesus. And they're in the darkness. And I'm, Lord, how do I shine my light? How do I, how do I add a little salt, a little flavor to this? How do, how do I share Jesus and not shove Him? But, but at the same time, do enough and say enough and to say the right things. I can't do it on my own. I need Your help. I need Your wisdom, Lord. I need You to open my mouth and speak and help me. Know what to say and when to say it. And open the doors and windows of opportunity to touch this sick and dying world. Because folks, it's worse than I thought. I've made myself subject lately to things that I've tried to... I said, Lord, I've had Him stretching me in my faith. Stretching me in my relationship with Him. I'm to the point now where I've been been doing this for, for... for, for a dozen years or so. And, and now I'm to the place where I can, I, can be, I can do what Jesus did. The things I tell people not to do, young Christians who are still growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't, God's not going to send you back to where He's called you from. Stay away. What, what does darkness and light have in common? You know, separate yourself unto God. These are the things God calls us to. Be careful. But at the same time, we are to grow. We are to grow. We should have to begin ministering where we're at. And then in our home, and our families, and then in the, in the places and in the, in the areas in which we live and reside and our sphere of influence and then further out and further out into the world until we can become like Jesus who went right in amongst them. He wasn't there with those who claimed to be fine with God. He was there with the sinners trying to help them, but he never got dirty. You see, that's why we don't want Christians going back to the places that they came from because it's not not safe for you, you know, when you're still a baby, when you're still a child, when you're still on the milk instead of the meat. But now I've gotten to a place where I can go places where I shouldn't go. Not that I'm going places, but I'm just dealing with people and, and more and more that that have not, no knowledge of God, no inclination to even reach out for God. They're not seeking God. They don't know God. And they already think they know what they know and they know nothing. They don't even know what they don't know. And it's the hardest thing. I, I, I thought it was hard trying to get Christians to believe the Word of God. Most Christians don't let the Word of God stand in the way of what they really believe. Out there in the world, though, they scoffers. They don't believe it. They've got their own weird conclusions and ideology. And they've convinced themselves of things that aren't true. The promise, though, 
to Joshua, if you think the word, if you speak the word, if you do the word, the promise was total prosperity and success, wasn't it? That's what he said. Do according. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will, here's the promise, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. More about trust, and not letting fear and unbelief and doubt come in. But thinking the word, speaking the word, doing the word, equals total prosperity. Every area of your life. Say, that was Joshua, and that wasn't me. Well, let's look. Look at Psalms. The book of Psalms, the very first chapter, it opens up talking about some things. And I want to show you that God says, this is for everybody. And that God is not moved by our circumstances. But it's available to everyone who will meet the conditions. You say, well, that sounds very strange. I thought everything was like grace now. The law is gone, and so now it's all just ours, no matter what. Really? It's the same, in a way, because now it's been revealed. In the Old Covenant, they had to do these things. They had to make the blood sacrifices. They had to do this and that and the other. Otherwise, they would come under condemnation and punishment. Now, Jesus has bore our shame, our guilt, our punishment on the cross, on the tree. So, if we don't do these things, God's not going to get you. God's not standing there with a lightning bolt just waiting for you to step out. He wasn't meditating on the Word. He wasn't loving me enough. He wasn't speaking the promises. No. He put these spiritual laws into place for your benefit, for you to take advantage of. This is part of your inheritance. You don't have to enjoy it. You don't have to take part in it. You can go around and do the opposite, which what? If you're not agreeing with God, you're agreeing with the devil. There's no fence sitting here. The fence is the devil's, right? So if you're not agreeing with God, you're effectively opening doors, legal Opportunity for the enemy to come into your life and eat your lunch and pop the bag. It's just that simple. Psalm 1, which is a book, the book of Psalms is a book of praise and thanksgiving just for being related to God and knowing Him and being called by His name. In a nutshell. And the first three verses of the first Psalm, Blessed is the man... Anybody, a woman, anybody want to hear more? Okay. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. So there's the conditions. This blessed man is not one who is in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, we're not getting our advice and recommendations from folks that are ungodly and don't know God and have come up with their own conclusions about the world and worldview and, and heaven and hell and, and made it just right so it sounds great for to fit their situation, right? No, we don't go to those people for our... Our counsel, we go to the Word of God, we go to, to Him first, we, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit through the Scriptures, we look for the promises concerning us, what's God say about this? This guy says this, this guy says this, let me go find out the truth, because this is the only truth, this is the most valuable thing in your home, this Bible, because when all the rest of this is gone, including you and me and everything we see, this will remain. This is the only thing that will remain. So he says, this man's going to be blessed. Just don't, 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 just don't get your information from the world in which you were taken. Don't, don't be looking back to Egypt. Don't, don't turn to a pillar of salt. Don't, there's nothing back there for you. There was never anything out there for you. Back there when I, I remember, I was just, I said, man, I'm sure there's something I'm missing. I'm going to find this. 
This was the perfect situation, the perfect party, the perfect thing. It's, they're out there somewhere. I'm just missing it. I'm going to keep looking all night. Days on end sometimes. And you know what I found? There wasn't nothing out there, man. <clears throat> but hurt and heartache. The devil just kept calling me out on the end of that limb. I'm your friend. Follow me out here. And then he left me hanging every time. But the promise, he's like a tree. He's blessed. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. The tree planted by streams of water. He's drawing his from the source. The water was always a picture of the Holy Spirit, of God. God is our source. He's our... He's our strength. He's our nourishment. We're connected to the vine. He yields His fruit in season. This is something that God expects and requires of His children. That we yield fruit. And He should be able to expect that. Amen? If we're not growing, we die. And its leaf does not wither. This is the part that is most visible from the tree. We should, we should represent something very vibrant and healthy and filled with the joy of the Lord. That's our strength. And it should, it, should, it should bring people to jealousy. This is the only kind of jealousy that God wants us to provoke in anyone or to have is the jealousy for God. You should, people should want what you have when they see you. And it should be Christ in you that they're seeing and then it goes on to say that in all that he does, he prospers. So there's the promise. It's for everyone. Everyone who will, who will meet these conditions. And I don't mean that in a way. I've got to always qualify that with folks these days. Because it's not do good, get good. Do bad, get beat. The do bad, get beat is out. And God's not up there waiting to bless you for this, bless you for that. He's already put the law in place, you see. It's just yours there to take advantage of. You can cooperate with God's spiritual laws, which He's already put in place, and just benefit from them. Just by knowing Jesus. This is Him. <coughs> or you can disagree. Believe and receive or doubt and do without. And it's always the same. God's not moved by our circumstances. There's not one thing that's too big for God. And some things, well, sure, I can ask God about this or that. But not this. This is too big. He doesn't understand. Or I've gone too far. I'm too bad. That's the devil whispering in your ear. Trying to condemn you and judge you and make you feel unworthy. I don't know a single preacher that doesn't get that bombardment every Sunday morning. Before he goes to the pulpit. Who do you think you are? I know all about you. And you know what I do? I'm a child of God. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, devil. I'm redeemed. I'm justified I, by the blood of Jesus. The more he pours it on, the louder I get. I start singing praises. And if that doesn't work, I invoke the Holy Spirit. Boy, that really puts him on his heels. See these five conditions he listed there, though. There's always a part to play. I just try to convey that to people. You know, you can't... There's not a single relationship in this world that you can think of and say, Well... You know, this woman is my my wife, so she just better do everything the wife is supposed to do, and I ain't got to do nothing I'm supposed to do. Heck with her, she just better do her part. Tell me how long that's going to work, or vice versa. You know what I'm saying? It's just, I mean, God is very practical. He should be able to expect a few things from us. He's like, listen, I put all this here for you, but listen, here's how you take advantage of it. And people looking at the things, oh, he's going to do this to me, looking at the bad parts. This is going to, he's going to do this. No, he's not going to do that. You're effectively inviting that in by not participating in the protection and the love and the provision that God's got in place. If you're my child and I send you a $100 check for your birthday, I, like you, I know you like to 
to, to go out to the movies and to the dinner on your birthday, and I can't be there with you, but I said... I sent you $100 with the birthday card, and I sent it in advance. And I said, when you get this, be sure to go and enjoy yourself and do the movie and dinner on your, on your birthday. Love you, Dad. And then I talked to them the day after their birthday. What would you do for your birthday? Oh, nothing. I just sit here. I, well, why didn't you go to the movies and dinner like you want to? Well, I, I, I'm broke. I didn't have the money. I said, I sent it to, oh, man, I hadn't checked my mail in three days. Yeah. It was there. It was there. <laughs> it was there all the time. <laughs> Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinketh in his heart, so is it. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And those who love the fruit thereof shall eat. You can't live right and think wrong. You can't think wrong and live right. Right thinking, which is in agreement with God, leads to right living and right being and right doing. And right receiving. You see what I'm saying? That's why Paul begs us in Romans. I beseech you therefore brethren. The therefore is because of all the good things God has done for us. Sacrificed for us. And put in place for us. I beseech you brethren. To renew your minds. According to the word of God. Become a living sacrifice. The problem with a living sacrifice is it likes to keep crawling down off the altar. When we find ourselves having done that, just crawl back up there. God loves you. He forgives you. He knew everything you were ever going to do before He saved you. He loves you anyway. Why run from Him when you got a problem? You're not getting anything over on Him. He didn't ask Adam in the garden, where are you, Adam? Because he didn't know where he was. He didn't ask him, who told you you were naked? Because he didn't know who told him. He wanted him to say it to him. He wants us to say some things to him too. I want to talk to you about one of the provisions and the promises of God that's very real. Because the the provision from God for our salvation is total. It's lacking nothing. But like I said, as a Christian, step by step by step, by promise by promise that we apply and take hold of and make our own, that's what we possess of our inheritance. One of the promises that is very real is healing. Physical healing. I want to go back to the Old Covenant, back to Exodus, the second book of the Bible, chapter 15. Quickly, I'm going to show you this. When Moses went back and led the children of God out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, they were out in the wilderness. He had parted the Red Sea. He had done all these miracles in Egypt on their behalf. Yet just a few days out into the wilderness, they started to grumble and <laughs> complain. There's no water. What, he just brought us out here to die? <laughs> they continued this for 40 years. However, he still showed mercy and love and kindness. And in Exodus chapter 15, the 26th verse, he revealed to them... And one of his names. Funny thing about God's name. When he calls himself by a name. That's also what he does. And what he is. For his children. Amen. And the funny thing about God. Unlike man. His covenant. And his promises. Don't change. He's unwavering. 
They were out there. And he revealed himself to them. I'll start at the 25th verse. They were at a stream. I can't can't go because I'll take the message out and I'm trying to get somewhere else. But they were at a stream, had bitter water. They couldn't drink it. They began to grumble and complain. He had Moses take a stick and threw it into the water. It made the water sweet. Okay? This is a type and shadow of the cross of Jesus Christ, the wood and the water, the Holy Spirit. And they drank. And God said to them, There the Lord made for them a statute a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to my voice, here we go again. Listen to me. Just listen to me. I, I want to help you. I'm trying to help you. You need to listen to me. I'm not just trying to boss you around and ruin your life and make things hard. Matter of fact, Jesus said, My burden is light. My yoke is easy. I'm gentle. I'm humble of heart. Anyway, if you listen to me, the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. First time they'd ever heard that. You know that word healer there in the original Hebrew has never changed. In several thousand years, and it's the same word for doctor. A great physician. I'm the Lord. I'm your doctor. I got nothing against doctors. I thank God for the ministry that all of the health care workers and doctors and nurses and providers do in this world. It's a wonderful thing. But God is our great physician. He is a healer. Sometimes we fall short of obtaining all that he has for us and wants for us. Because I believe he wants nothing less than total health and wholeness for everyone supernaturally. And so doctors are fine. Don't go throw your medicine away. Unless he tells you to, and you know it. But, God is a healer. And he revealed himself here in Exodus as that, and he's never changed. Jesus has something to say about this. He comments on it. Centuries later, when he came and revealed himself to Israel as the Messiah and the Savior, and... Again, he manifested God as the healer of the people. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. <clears throat> Jesus said, I'll just read the story. I started at the 14th verse. And when Jesus entered Peter's house... He saw his mother-in-law laying sick with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she rose and began to serve her. When he heals you, it makes you want to serve him. That evening, they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Many times he doesn't even differentiate between demonized and physical sickness. Not all physical sickness is demonic, but I've known some ministers who believe it all is, but a great deal of, of it is. And you'll see that as Jesus talks about it, as he heals, you'll see that he doesn't really differentiate. Amen. He didn't put that sickness on him, so where'd it come from? All right. <laughs> he healed all who were sick. This is a theme through the New Covenant. You see in the book of Acts, we heard of Jesus of Nazareth. God anointed him with power and with the Holy Ghost, and he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. This was to... 
He healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, who took our illnesses and bore our diseases. Isaiah 53. I ministered on it around Easter time. He prophesied several hundred years before Jesus came. So again, he was manifesting the will, the nature, the mercy, the love of God. God is healer. John 14, just to show that it was God in him, in case you're not convinced yet that Jesus is God, the third, per- the second person of the, tri- the Trinity. John chapter 14, on that faithful night that Jesus was betrayed, he had a lot to say to his disciples. And in chapter 14, he was talking to them. And in the ninth verse of John chapter 14, he says, Jesus said to him, answering Philip, he said, Lord, show us the Father. And it's enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. There's your answer for all the people that tell you Jesus was a good man or a prophet, but he wasn't God. Say either either God or he's a liar. You can't have it both ways. This is what Muslims will tell you. Yeah, he was a prophet. Although they kill people for believing in him. Shows you how bizarre. But he can't be a good man and not be God because he said he was God. And he is. However, he said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And then he goes on to tell them that they're going to do the same works he's done, and even greater works, because... He goes to the Father, and the Holy Spirit will be in us, and we'll be able to manifest the same things He did. All of this, all of His life, all the things He did were just an expression of God's nature. His, the healing power of God manifests through Him His entire ministry. And He said, I only do what I hear my Father say and do. You see? Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Not some. Not case by case. You deserve it, you don't. Nothing like that. He never turned one away. God's healing nature. His love. His covenant with His people. Part of that covenant. That agreement. That unmoving promise of God is healing for our natural bodies. Psalm 107, back to Psalms real quick. Psalms 107, verse 17, y'all with me? Talking about the, I've been bouncing back and forth, the old covenant and the new, because I want you to see that everything in the old covenant is is type and shadow of the things that are ours now in the spiritual truths of our salvation. It was all written and it was supposed to be type and shadow. They didn't know it then. But things that are now revealed in Christ. These natural examples have become spiritual truths for us, you see. So we can look to the old to learn how to appropriate the new. And to be thankful for what we've been delivered from. Psalm 107, starting at the 17th verse. This is talking about the... And this is... Psalm 107 is the beginning of book 5. The number for grace. And the book of Psalms is broken out into books. Nevertheless, talking about the children of Israel. The Israelites had, had... They had grumbled and complained their way into... For, I mean, just they had frustrated everyone who dealt with them. Now, I'm just telling you the long and the short of them, of, of the things they did. 
But in one place, Psalm 78, I think, is that time and time again, they grumbled, they complained, they turned back, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God by their unbelief. You know, you can limit God's ability to bless you by sabotaging everything good that He tries to do in your life with your doubt and unbelief and living apart from His Word. He's just trying to bless you. (laughs) But we stiff-arm Him so many times. So, this is talking about the children of Israel. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities, they suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near the gates of death. They, they, were, they, were, they became desperate. They had their sinful attitudes and behaviors and doubt and unbelief and scoffing against God and complaining had brought them near to the point of death. And then they had a brilliant idea. Then they cried to the Lord. How many of us wait till the last minute? Remember I told you God doesn't want you living crisis to crisis. That's why miracles aren't His best. He wants you to understand these truths and just grab hold of the blessings of God and make them your own. And make it fun and have fun with God and say, God, you said this. Look at this. Every morning, every day when you're in your, in your quiet time with the Lord and you have your Bible and you're praying and you're listening and you see something new and it'll be illuminated. Maybe you read it a thousand times, but that day it's for you. And you say, wow, yes. Amen. You said what I say, baby. You said this, and that fits my... That's right. You want it? It's yours. Amen. So be it unto me. I claim it. I'm standing on the promises of God. It's fun with God. He's good. He loves you. And the more you brag on Him, the more He shows off. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now because... Because it's, you just have to get to the point where you're humble and you stop trying to take the credit for everything. You know? We go to God and we pray and we ask for things and He does it and we're like, yeah! And then we see our friends say, yeah, I really worked hard to get this done. What? I thought you couldn't do it and you went and begged God and He did it for you. Why aren't you telling them that? Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His Word and healed them. He sent out His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of His deeds and songs of joy. Amen. Isn't it good to know that God's foundation of provision for His children is found in His Word? Found in His Word. It's right here. It's for you. Not just for Joshua. Not for Moses. Not for Paul. Not for the Pope. For you. God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't think of anyone more highly than He does you. Because when He sees you, He sees Jesus. If you've accepted Him as your Lord and Savior, first things first, John 3, 3. You have to be born again. Or you will not see the kingdom of God. God's provision is found in His Word. He saves us. It's always the same. He saves us. He heals us. He delivers us. He saves us from sin. He heals us from sickness. He delivers us from the power of Satan. Saves, heals, and delivers. He likes to tell people He wants to heal you everywhere you hurt. Spirit, soul, and body. And then He wants to help you. Heal, empower, love, and prosper you. And then He wants you to go help others with that same help you've received from Him. Amen. I'm almost done here. You're pretty quick today. But I want to bring this home. Because it's important. And I, I know from talking to the world and I believe from talking to the church, not, not ours, but at large, they don't believe this. They like it. It sounds good. But eh, 
they start thinking, if it's true, how come this person died? How come this one sick? How come I still got this? I got a bad toenail I've been praying for for years. <laughs> it makes it hard sometimes to pray for bigger things. But as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. We have to agree with God. God's offer is total healing. Proverbs 4 Verses 20 through 22. I have it underlined and circled. My son, my daughter, here he is again. It's a prescription. Just think of the doctor giving you a prescription. Be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Verse 22. For they, the words, his words, are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Now, there's a promise. Circle it. Claim it. Keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. We talk about the heart as that part of our spirit and our mind that that everything generates from. That's the garden of our lives. That's where this word goes. Remember the four soils, the one that's unhindered with rocks and thorns and not stomped down and hardened. The one that's good soil is the one that receives this word and allows it to take root and bear fruit. Be that one. It takes effort to remove all the stones and the thorns and to till the ground. It takes practice. But he's saying, listen, if you'll just listen, if you'll listen, incline your ear. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. Be humble. Be teachable. Listen to me. Focus on my promises. And keep them in your heart. The garden of your mind and your spirit. And then, there'll be life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. He's talking to his children. I want to make one final point in Mark chapter 7. In case you never made this, because I've heard people using this to say that Jesus was teaching about racism lately. You see, you can... You can do anything with the word. I've told you that before. Be, be, be careful of these people who take, take the word of God and make it useful for their own political gains. Jesus was telling the story, a beautiful story of a woman's faith and how he and the kingdom of God are for all who will believe. Of course, there's no room for racism. It's a non-starter. It's not even a question. I don't even go there because unless I, unless God told me to, if I thought there was an issue, but there's not here, and I know that. So I'm not going to spend my time talking about these things that the devil wants to get the world divided on and talking about and thinking about. The focus should be on Jesus. The kingdom of God. This race that we're all in, the only race, the salvation race with grace and mercy and peace and love and joy. If you love your neighbor and you do unto others as you'd have them do unto you, as Jesus taught very simply, that fixes all that. He says, This is the law, this is the law I give you. Love one another. This sums up all the old ones. Just forget about all that, just do that. If you do this, you won't break any of the other ones. If you're really doing this. How you like that? It ain't hard, folks. It can be hard. The Word of God is hard for those who are determined to live apart from it. In opposition to it. But when we just surrender. And we come to that crossroads every day where what we want and what we think. 
comes in direct opposition or across roads with what God says, just stop and go, well, dadgummit, I had that wrong. And I'm just going to have to humble myself and admit it. God said it, that settles it. Might take me a while to feel it, but I'm going to agree with Him. And I'm going to say it, and I'm going to tell the Holy Spirit, this is my choice. I'm not ruled by my, governed by my emotions or my feelings. I'm going to do what the Word says until all that other gets fixed in me. But he's talking about, he's talking and he's healing people again. Here's Jesus, he's doing that same old thing. The will of God, healing people. Fixing people that are hurt and broken and demonized and physically sick. That's the will of God. That's the word of God spoken over you. And look at, starting at the Mark 7, chapter 7, verses 24, starting in verse 24. This is a Syrophoenician woman who is not a Hebrew. She's not a Jew. And Jesus was sent first to the Jews. And when they rejected him... Thank God that they did because that opened the door for the Gentiles to be brought in and keep praying for them because God is going to find a way to save them one day. They're getting saved in droves. There are Messianic Jews all over the world. That means they have turned and they actually believe in the Messiah. That's all that means. Messianic Jews. They have finally understood, wow, He is the Messiah we were waiting for. That's why there's nowhere to go offer sacrifices anymore. Because he was it. And from there he arose and went away to a region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know. Yet he could not be hidden. (laughs) Word gets out and something that good's in town. Amen. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first. Talking about the Jews. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. The word there for dog is like a little puppy, not a big dog. It's It's kind of rude, but he was making a point. And it really wasn't for her benefit. He was trying to fix his disciples' hearts and minds about being bigoted toward this woman. So yes, in a sense. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon was gone. The point I want to make about this is that Jesus called healing the children's bread. God's children. God says, I'm your healer. That's one of my names. I'm your doctor. Healing is part of your inheritance. Jesus only did what I sent him to do and told him to do and he healed everybody who asked him. And he's still doing it today. The leper reached, called out to him. He says, Lord, I know if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I'm willing. He touched him and healed him. The difference between that leper and us is that leper at the time didn't really know if he would. Now, because he did it for him, we know he'll do it for us. If he did it for one, he'll do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. Same yesterday, today, and forever. He called himself in Exodus the God who heals you. Jesus came and showed that as a manifestation of God in the new covenant. Time and time and time again. And he called healing the children's bread. Are you one of God's children? I think that's what it says in 1 John. Back in the back, isn't it? Doesn't he say in Third John chapter uh, verse two? Because the the whole book of the of Third John is about this long, half a page. So they don't say chapter and verse; they just say the verse. 
3 John 2, Beloved, I wish that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as thy soul prospers. That's God's will for your life. Claim it. Claim it. Tell him not amen and as good as I'm preaching. That's okay. First John, the end of chapter 2. And now, little children, this is the Holy Spirit talking to you. He's the author of this book. He just had some men write it down, 50 of them or so. 66 whole books written over a period of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And they all agree and it's all the same author, the Holy Spirit. And now, little children, abide in Him so that when He appears, you may have confidence and not shrink from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of Him. What did I tell you glorifies God? Taking advantage of everything He's given you. Laying hold of the inheritance He's given you that glorifies and honors Him. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is, and everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as he is pure. We are the children of God. He loves us. Healing is part of our inheritance and I want you to see it. If I haven't proven it to you today, let me know and I'll give you a hundred more scriptures that you can meditate on. I want to tell you one thing. You can close up your Bibles and and, and get ready to give hugs and, and adioses, but I want to tell you one more thing because we always want to make sure that you understand that we're going by the Word of God in this church. And I don't care about anything else. Nothing else is going to be my my judge or my authority or my instructor except the Word of God. And as much as I am able to understand, if I don't know those of you who know me, I, I won't answer until I pray. And find out, or find out, or ask somebody that does know. I'm not afraid to say I don't know. But when I do know, I know my business. I know my my Lord. And I love you, and He loves you. And that's all we're trying to accomplish here, is a better, stronger relationship with Him. Because this world is out to deceive you and kill you. and it, it And they need your help. And it's hard to help people that hate you, but He needs you to do that for a time. Because some of them are going to get saved. In James chapter 5. I just told you, you can lay hold of the promises of God and claim them. You can speak healing, you can speak health over your children, over your family, over your wife. I went and picked my wife up one time from her work at... at, uh, when she was working at the mall in uh, the Woodlands, up on the second floor there, when she worked for Brighton, and she called me, and we lived here in Cyprus, and she was, oh, well, her co-worker called me, she was laying down behind the counter, she was very ill. We were in pretty bad shape financially. I love my wife. Y'all know that. I said, I'll be right there. I went up there as fast as I could. I laid hands on her. I prayed over her. I told her she was healed in the name of Jesus and to stand up and walk. And she did. And I said, honey, I'll take you to the hospital if you want. Because everybody there was like, oh, she's got to go to the hospital. I said, but, but God has this. I had peace. I knew it. And we drove home. And I prayed in the Spirit. 
over her all the way home. We praised God. I sang to God. I thanked God. And by the time we got home, she was fine and dandy. But it's not just for me. It's not just for the pastors to do the praying. We're supposed to raise you up for the work of the ministry. That's my job. You, you are a king and a priest. You have a prayer ministry. You have power and anointing and authority in Christ over the works of the devil. So much so that Jesus said, that shouldn't even surprise you. You shouldn't even gloat or be excited about that. That's nothing. Be excited that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The devil has no authority over you except what you give him. You can speak to your mountains and they will be moved and cast into the sea. A mountain, in this case, is anything that comes against you in this world that is not of God. And anything that's coming against you is not of God. Sickness, disease, poverty, strife, depression. On and on and on. But last week, we prayed for Malachi. His grandmother came and asked me to put oil on him and pray. And we did. I believe he's healed. James 5, starting at the 13th verse. James was, uh, just in case you're wondering, we still think this book is written by men about God. It wasn't, I told you, it's written by the Holy Spirit. But James was the half-brother of Jesus. He was the head of the church in Jerusalem. They cut his head off with sword. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So practical. Are you cheerful? Sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And he goes on to use an example of Elijah, how he, he was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. He's just saying that Elijah, as great as we think he was, and all the miracles he did, he was just a man like us, and he prayed, and it didn't rain for three years and six months. The anointing oil is not magical talking about here in the, in, the, in the original Greek is talking about olive oil okay olive oil is always a picture of the Holy Spirit what he's doing here is he's trying to he's trying to encourage people to uh, he's, he's trying to ignite the one being healed in their faith you see and he, and he always, and he's using that anointing oil as a picture of the Holy Spirit coming into play. It's not us healing. God is the one source. Jesus is the only channel. Amen? The Holy Spirit is with us. I'm not asking you to do these things of your own strength or talent or abilities. Just be the conduit. Just be the conduit. I don't talk about a lot of these things because, unfortunately, most of the church in, at large, worldwide, is very immature. And you have to be careful who you ask to pray and, and so forth and so on. I wanted to let you know about this just because it lets you know it's scriptural start for starters. And second of all, I believe that we have a group here that you need to just go ahead and start growing in these things. Because there's some real believers here that have real faith. And you have also been given this authority. Amen. Use it. Don't be afraid. God is with you. It's not you. And you can tell people so. It's not me. Peter, as great as he, a great a man of God as he was, 
He would heal people and they'd look at him and he'd say, what? Well, you're looking at me like I did something. That's what he told them. He said, you know who did it? This same man that y'all crucified on the cross. Father, thank you for this awesome day and for your love and grace and mercy and peace. Thank you for growing us up in your word. Thank you, Lord, that we will begin again to possess the land of promises that you have given us. Step by step, by promise, by promise, we will lay claim of the promises that you have given us in your precious word that pertain to our life, our situations, and those around us, and the world at large, and we will make a difference in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for strengthening our faith. We believe, Lord, help our unbelief that we might walk in greater faith and strengthen in our hearts and receive your word into good ground and stay unhindered by the cares of this life. In Jesus' name, amen.